Episode 66 of 211's Baseball Talk is here. We'll talk all about the Blue Jays Royals series, the Blue Jays Red Sox mini series, some hot starts around the league, and more. Make sure to stay tuned. 211's Baseball Talk episode 66 begins right after this. That was balanced by Infinite, walking you into episode 66 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. Joined beside me once again, my dad, Chris. Uh, how you doing today? I'm good, Dylan. It's uh, a good day to be a baseball fan. The only reason for that is the Jays finally got a win last night. And we're talking <laughs> Red Sox-Jays for those not knowing what date this episode is on. Uh, the 21st, I believe, right, Dylan, is the win. And we'll take it. Yes. So, um. Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm not doing too bad as I'm excited to talk some Jays. Not a great series in Kansas City. We'll get into it a little bit, uh, but a much better one of sorts in Boston uh, for the Blue Jays is jumping right into that Kansas City series. After starting six and six, the Jays went into KC without a starter as they faced the Royals. Eventually, it was announced that Anthony Kay would get a start over guys like Tanner Roark and Tommy Malone as the Jays faced Jacob Junis. Uh, before the game, it was also announced that Jordan Romano was headed to the IL. Another loss for that Blue Jays bullpen. An RBI double from Andrew Benintendi in the first got the Royals rolling early, one nothing. Uh, in the bottom of the third, Nicky Lopez had a questionably scored triple to make it 2 nothing. That was followed by the first of two errors from Kevin Biggio to score a run. In the bottom of the fourth, under Dozier and Hanser Alberto both doubled to make it 5 nothing. In the same inning, another Kevin Biggio error, which he got hurt on, resulted in another run, making it 7 nothing. However, in the sixth inning, the Jays started the comeback with a two-run double from Joe Panic, then a Rowdy Telez single and a Josh Palacio sack fly to make it 7-4. to in the top of the seventh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a mammoth home run to make it 7-5. A chance to win it in the ninth, but Vladdy struck out to end the game. On Friday, the game was rained out. Therefore, we had a doubleheader on Saturday as Game 1 featured Steven Matz and Mike Miner. And in the first of the doubleheader, the only game of the series that the Jays won, Lourdes Gurriel doubled home two in the first inning to make it two zip Jays. Uh, no scoring after that until the top of the fifth when Jonathan Davis hit a homer that was bigger than Lake Ontario. Only true Blue Jays fans would get that reference. And by that point, people started to notice the goose egg in the Royals hit column began watching a no-no for Steven Matz. However, in, this, in a seven-inning game, a no-hitter does not count. Luckily for Jays fans and historians alike, after a solo home run on the top of the sixth by Vlad Guerrero Jr., the no-hitter was broken up by the Royals. Uh, they then got on the board in the bottom of the sixth on an Andrew Benintendi double. Then in the seventh, Marcus Semien had a sack fly to make it 5-1 to one Jays. Uh, they took game one of that doubleheader. In game two, it was Tommy Malone versus Irvin Santana in a matchup that felt like 2012 again. Top, to, top of the second, Alejandro Kirk got the scoring started with a laser double as he began hitting up to put the Jays ahead two or one nothing pardon me in the bottom of the third though Andrew Benintendi drove home a run on a fielder's choice in an error then Carlos Santana uh double home another run to make it two to one Royals in the top of the fourth Lotus Goriel Jr. hit a sack fly to tie things up no scoring after that until the seventh bottom half Joel Piamps was on the mound since the Blue Jays depth has been uh shredded to pieces with injuries uh, and Salvador Perez walked it off so the Jays split the double dip Sunday afternoon, the Jays sent Robbie Ray to the mound against Brady Singer. Early on, you could tell Ray didn't have his stuff, and Brady Singer was going to shut down the Jays. Ray wound up walking six in 
five somehow scoreless innings. And after using Dolis yesterday, TJ Zoik had to pitch a high leverage inning, which was an adventure to say the least, as he allowed a leadoff laser to single to Carlos Santana and Salvador Perez hit a home run to make it two nothing. That would be all the scoring in that game. Jays didn't get a hit after the third. It dropped three of four to the Royals. Obviously not a great series for the Blue Jays. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it wasn't a great series, but uh, it hasn't been a great season. Let's be honest. Uh, so far, we haven't seen we've seen some bright spots, obviously, Vladdy being one of them. Um, but it is uh, it is an injury decimated team. Um, it is a underperforming team, if you ask me, although some people say they expected this. Um I, especially with that rotation, and that's possible. I mean, the rotation certainly isn't what we all had hoped they would acquire throughout the offseason. But, you know, I mean, it was, there were a few bright spots. Again, Vladdy being a bit of a bright spot. Um, Was concerned about Kevin Biggio's defense, but um, that was kind of a scary thing to watch before he got hurt but uh, um, you know he's been pretty good all season long so uh, I don't think that's too bad but um, you know I think it was a tough series for the Blue Jays and uh, one we'll, we'll hopefully soon forget. Yeah, it wasn't ideal both on the pitching side and uh, on the offensive side for the Blue Jays as they struggled on both ends of the ball in that one um, but you know what, there were there were some bright spots, like you mentioned, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. stayed hot. Obviously, Bo Bichette, Marcus Semyon, they both cooled right down. Bichette sort of picked it back up in the uh, Boston series, although it was only two games. We'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, the, the Kansas City series was not ideal. You, you can't uh, really expect a, a very good team to go into Kansas City and lose three out of four. You got to take, uh, you got to at least split that series. Um, and they didn't do that. So that was a struggle for the Blue Jays, and we hope that they will play better in the future as they went over to Boston to face the red-hot Red Sox. They faced off for a quick two-game series this week at Fenway, and in Game 1, things were going well for the Jays to start as Ryu was cruising and the Jays got on the board first with a fourth-inning Bo Bichette home run. That all changed in the bottom half of that inning when Xander Bogarts hit his own homer over the monster to make it 3-1, to one. then with Marcus or Martin Gonzalez on, uh, pardon me, Bobby Dahlbeck tripled to make it four to one. Ryu went five, giving up four, all earned. The Jays didn't get on the board again until the top of the seventh when Randall Grichik hit his own homer over the monster to make it four to two. After that, they were shut down. So Sox win four to two. But if there was one positive, it was the bullpen continued to be solid. Uh, Wednesday night, after a 30-minute rain delay following a lineup shakeup, a Vlad Guerrero Jr. single scored Kevin Biggio to make it one nothing Jays in the first. In the second, a sack fly, or pardon me, after a single from Marcus Semien, a walk from Josh Palacios, and a wild pitch, Lourdes Gurriel uh, had a sacrifice fly to make it 2 nothing. Kevin Biggio followed that up with a ground up, making it 3-zip. Then Bo Bichette singled Danny Jansen home to make it 4 nothing early. Trent Thornton was on the mound for the Jays on a bullpen day. He threw two scoreless to start the game. He was relieved by Tommy Malone, who went two in the third innings, allowing two earned runs, the first of which scored in the bottom of the fourth when Raphael Devers grounded out to score a run. In the fifth, at this point, Malone is out of the game and David Phelps is in. But with two Malone runners on, Phelps surrenders a double to make it 4-2. to two. In the bottom of the eighth, as usual, Rafael Dolis made an adventure for himself, giving up a home run to Xander Bogarts early in the inning to make it 4-3. Following his second strikeout of the inning, he walked Christian Vasquez, and then an error by Kevin Biggio got two guys on, but in what felt like an eternity later, Dolis got out of it. Top of the ninth, the Jays needed insurance. Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. get on, and Rowdy Telez, with Rowdy Telez set to face the lefty, Taylor on the mound, Alejandro Kirk comes in as a pinch hitter. 
Uh, and he drove home. Bobachet sent Vladdy to third to make it 5-3 Jays. 11 Alejandro Kirk hit. The very next pitch, pitch Randall Grichik scored Vladdy and sent Kirk to third to make it 6-3. In the bottom of the ninth, Tim Meza ran into some trouble. He only recorded two outs in that inning. But Anthony Castro came on to relieve him and closed the door to get his first big league save. Jays win 6-3. Despite the Wednesday game, the offense is struggling. And it was announced this week that uh, there's a possibility that George Springer gets back this weekend, that Teoscar Hernandez gets back this weekend. Is that enough to reignite this scuffling Blue Jays offense? I think it is. I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they've never even seen Springer in a regular season game yet. And I think, you know, that in in itself is huge. I mean, obviously it's nice to get Hernandez back as well on uh, the weekend, hopefully, but uh, um, but what's really cool is to see that Springer's potentially coming back this week um, because they haven't had a chance to have him in the lineup in any regular season games. And here's the hope that, you know, maybe that will spark the offense and will spark some more wins. And, and they really need that. I mean, losing three out of four against Kansas city is, as you said, not acceptable at all for a team that's expected to make the playoffs or at least compete for, for a spot in the playoffs. And, uh, and, you know, I think getting Springer back, I think getting Hernandez back, is going to help uh, at least inject some life into this offense. Uh, again, like you say, yesterday was fine as far as a, the six to three win, but um, you know, it's, we haven't seen that recently other than Blatty. And uh, as you said, Bo has cooled off and, and others. So, uh, and I do like a Kirk hit There's always, it's, it's, well, it's fun just to watch him run the bases, really. But uh, <laughs> he's a fifty-five but... speed in MLB The Show. I think he's faster than Danny Jansen than Lourdes Gurriel. I don't know if that rating is accurate, but uh, I'll <laughs> I don't take think it. it is. <laughs> I don't think it is. It could be, but I don't think so. Um, and so, yeah, it's you know, I think it's it's going to be a good thing for them this weekend to get that uh, that injection back into the offense. We need some pitching back, though. Yeah, for sure. But it sounds like some bullpen help is on its way as Tyler Tyler Chatwood and Jordan Romano are both expected to be activated in the Rays series. Chatwood on uh, before Friday's game and Romano before Saturday's game, both immediately when they're eligible to come off the IL. It sounded like both the injuries were minor. They just needed some time to to rest up a little bit. Jay's got an arm up uh, in the big leagues to fill their spots for the time being. Um, Now with Springer and Teoscar hopefully being back, what is your ideal lineup i mean there are so many different ways you could look at this there are about three four guys you could have in the leadoff spot you could hit flatty second if you wanted to what is your optimal lineup construction i think you have to put springer in leadoff i don't think there's any chance you don't do that and i don't think there's any chance we'll see montoyo not do that um the only reason he might not do that is just to let him ease back in but springer's a professional he's been around for a long time he knows how to win most likely he doesn't need the easing back in um so i would expect to see him hitting lead off with bichette second maybe hernandez third vladdy fourth um and then down from there uh it's you know i think that's your top four potentially um i know guriel has some potential there to be up there but uh um you know, I mean, that for me would be my top four uh, to start off that lineup. Yeah, I like that. I think that George Springer has to be your leadoff hitter. And I was talking about it uh, on Twitter yesterday with uh, Mitty from the Smitty and Mitty show. We both agreed that George Springer has to be the leadoff hitter once he comes back uh, for the Blue Jays. And uh, I think that it'll go, it'll probably go Springer, Bichette, 
Guerrero and then Teoscar because I know Charlie Montoya likes to have Teoscar in that cleanup spot. So I think that's where they'll leave him. And then after that, I mean, it's anybody's guess. It can be a mishmash of guys. You can have Grichik hit fifth or you can have him hit eighth. It doesn't really matter how you structure it. I think Kevin Biggio may be a six hitter. And it was brought to my attention by Mitty yesterday that maybe the nine spot is a good spot for him as a second leadoff man. What are your thoughts on that idea? No. <laughs> no Jansen in the ninth spot but I mean, the, the point he brought up the point that was brought up by Mitty was that um Jansen's become an automatic out in the ninth spot and do you want that hitting before George Springer who's supposed to be a guy who can drive in runs hitting out of that leadoff spot yeah that's a good point I mean you know it's it's true because you know maybe he can drive in some runs if you've got uh you know Biggio on on base I mean he's not a slow runner either like Jansen would be too so even if Jansen got hot you know, you'd probably have a better shot at scoring some runs with Biggio out there instead. But uh, but again, you know, putting Jansen in the eighth spot, I don't know how much better that is. I mean, he's still an automatic out, just he might be more likely the first out of the inning instead of the second or third, but he's still an automatic out, always. Yeah. Now, if you have Kirk in there, that's different, you know, and, and uh, Kirk isn't as much of an automatic out. He's certainly not offensively, you know, the best out there, but well, he's he, better he's, than Jansen. He's, He's hit throughout the minor leagues and he's had a bit of a slow start to the season, but he seems to be hitting now and he's hit in the past. So do you think that Alejandro Kirk should start getting more ABs over Danny Jansen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's good defensively. He's not as good as Danny, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean he can't get there. And, you know, it's, uh, I think from an offensive standpoint, he certainly contributes a heck of a lot more than Jansen does. So um, you know, and that offensive standpoint is really what the Jays need right now. I mean, the pitching's, not been awesome but it's not been the starting pitching hasn't either. been good but yeah the bullpen has been pretty good yeah the bullpen has really picked up the team while the, the starters have uh kind of pooped the futon um deuce the futon as, as i said last last season on this show but uh yeah it's uh i think uh i think you know having Biggio in that ninth spot actually is a pretty good idea uh just to give that on base possibility for Springer as you say um but I think for sure the guarantee is that Springer's in in the leadoff spot yeah I agree with that 100% as uh the sun is starting to to bless me here I've got sun in my eyes we're recording the podcast at a different time today due to uh some other prior engagements so if the, the, right the sun is, if the sun is in my eyes that is why um a bullpen has been solid so far uh this season they've got a, a low era it's among the best in in major league baseball how impressive has it been to you uh good i mean great i mean uh, you know how can you complain about it you, you, you know unfortunately they're coming in with a on the losing side of things at a very frequent pace but um, but I think that will change. I think that the starters, despite being such an up in the air rotation will, will improve. I think, you know, I don't know if we've received a recent update on Pearson, but you know, when, once we get a, a Pearson's Pearson back, 100% healthy, it's just, he's ramping back up. So he's got to basically do spring training again and uh, get back up to a, to a hundred percent pitch wise. Yeah. So that'll be a big addition. Um, Ryu, obviously that was more of a blip on the radar in Boston. I think, I don't think it's anything to worry about. So you got two guys there that hopefully will contribute some better results. Um, but the rest of it's uh, a hot mess. And, uh, you know, luckily the bullpen has been there to, to sort of bail everybody out. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the bullpen uh, has been fantastic for the Jays so far this season. I mean, guys are coming in without Romano, without Chatwood. I mean, you expected Kirby Yates to be there. He's not. Julian Merriweather is out, and that sounds like it could be a long-term thing. The amount of guys that have stepped up and and filled those spots, maybe not as well as the the, the guys would have done had they been healthy, guys like Romano, Merriweather, Chadwood, but they're still putting on really good performance. Like Joel Piamps has an ERA right around or just below two. Anthony Castro has been formidable ever since uh, he got called up after being picked up by the Jays from the Tigers on waivers in the offseason. Everybody seems to be contributing to this Blue Jays bullpen, and it's been a sight to see. All right, now for our segment, the two best and the worst of this past week. Who is your best pitcher? From the past week in Blue Jays baseball. Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know. That there hasn't been a lot even... of good pitching in the past. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I don't know that that's a fair question. Um, and so I'm going to say Pete Walker. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Say, that's my final answer. There's nobody else out there. Just Pete Walker, you know, handlebar mustache. That makes him the best. <laughs> and even though he's not actually on the mound, he was at some point in he is better the spirit. than everybody's done in the last week. So, yeah, he is. <laughs> I would have to go with Steven Matz. I mean, Matz almost threw a yeah, seven Matt's inning no hitter. I would, I, I would actually go with Matz if, if you're asking for a real pitcher. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you. Don't leave Matz. Yeah, Matz had a great outing on Saturday. Almost threw a seven inning no hitter instead through six, allowing one run. He's been fantastic ever since coming over to the Jays. I believe he starts the series against Tampa. Who has been your best Blue Jays offensive player this past week? Well, it's hard not to go with Vladdy again, um, you know, yeah. and, and good for him because, you know, that's not something we saw in the first two years in the major leagues. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's great to be able to say that two weeks in a row and really three, four or five weeks in a row. Um, it's been a, it's been great for to see Vladdy. I still have to have him up there as the best uh, best offensive player right now. Just for originality's sake, I want to go with somebody else, but in a week that's had very little offensive output from the Blue Jays. There's no real other option than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, he's continued to to be great at the plate, both drawing walks and getting hits. He's He's been fantastic defensively, much better than expected defensively. And uh, he's been having fun while doing it. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think is the only choice for best offensive player of the week for the Blue Jays. Now for the worst, worst player, pitcher, position player, up to you, who's been the worst Blue Jay of the past week. All of them, <laughs> all of them, uh, except for the two we've said, Matt and, and Guerrero. And that's unfortunate because it has been a tough week, but uh, um, you know, uh, worst, I really don't know. I really don't know. It's tough because there's been some pretty bad performances from the pitching staff. Um, I got nothing. Uh, they're all bad. I mean, I think they're, they're two guys that stick out to me. Um, Marcus Semyon is the first. I mean, Semyon hasn't hit in weeks. He hasn't. Oh, hit the since position the players games. I hadn't even gotten to, but yes, Semyon <laughs> has been uh, has been really disappointing. Yeah. I think for most of the season. To be, I honest. mean, he was great for the first two series of the season against the Yankees in New York. He was pretty good, and then against Texas, he was pretty good, and then all of a sudden after that, he just went into a tailspin, and that led to him being taken out of the leadoff spot. And Kevin Bijou getting put up there. I mean, it made sense to put Bijou up there with the success that he has getting on base. And then uh, Simeon was struggling. So 
I mean, it, it seemed like the perfect spot to put him. And, and Simeon is is the worst Blue Jay in my mind of the past week. An argument could be made, though, for Hyunjin Ryu, not necessarily because his game was horrendous. He allowed four runs. It wasn't great. Um, but because of the way we expect Ryu to pitch every fifth day, that wasn't what we saw. And so if you're judging based on past performance, I think Hyunjin Ryu has a case to be the worst Blue Jay of the week as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was not a good start for him uh, in Boston, and that was a little bit surprising. But um, you know, uh, definitely Semyon on the lineup side for sure was uh, has been pretty disappointing. I mean, Biggio's been disappointing too, but he's always disappointing. It's like he's not uh, always disappointing. He's a, well, but he's, this he's season, he seemed to chase guy, more. But, yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I mean, and and then when they throw them a pitch, when they throw him a pitch in the strike zone, he doesn't hit it. Yeah. So yeah. something's up with Biggio, and it needs to be fixed, please. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's where, where I sit with Worst uh, as well, Ryu and, and uh, Semyon, but with Bichu as a close second <laughs> yeah. on the lineup side of things. Yeah, moving on now to some early surprises in the big leagues. So far this season, we've seen some serious surprises as certain teams have had some great records early. The Boston Red Sox, who the Jays just faced, are 12-7 and seven atop the AL East. The Royals are 10-7 and seven atop the AL Central. The Mariners are 11-7, and seven, just a half game out of the top spot in the AL West. And the Reds are 9-8, and eight, who are cooling off a little bit from a really hot start to start the year. But in the NL Central, it's anybody's guess who wins that division. Are any of the four teams just mentioned legitimate playoff contenders? That's a good question. I would say not the Red Sox. Um, wow. Seattle always finds a way to choke. Um, the Reds, they got young guys now, think... though. The Mariners aren't just relying on a core of veterans. They've got some young prospects who might change that, hopefully, for Mariners fans. But you don't believe in them. Well, no. I mean, they haven't got exactly the greatest track record in pulling this one off. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think we'll start to see a shift. I don't think you'll see the Yankees stay this bad. I don't think you'll see the Blue Jays stay this bad. Um, I don't think the Red Sox have the lineup, even though, you know, it is an Alex Cora injection. I think uh, you you said that to me the other day, and, and I agree with you. I think, you know, he's certainly very motivational, and I think that's helped the young guys there um, to have a good start. But obviously, as people start to hit their groove, I mean, you look at the Blue Jays offense as a prime example, not performing where they're supposed to be, and they still got a win out of that series. I think, um, you know, when those offenses come around, the Yankees offense, everybody starts to pick up their pitching. Um, you know, you'll start to see a shift in those standings. But, you know, I don't I don't see anybody as a totally legit contender just yet in those uh, surprising records. But you never know. Baseball is a surprising game. <laughs> Yeah, that it is. And we've seen some some crazy starts to the year, both good and bad throughout baseball. I mean, we talked about some of the good ones here, but the Yankees are really struggling to start the season. And uh, I, I definitely believe they're going to turn things around. That's the Yankees. They've got a great roster. It's just they're not doing it right now. And I think that they will. I think that the Blue Jays will as well. And I think that the Jays have no reason to fear um, and and say that the, they're not going to make the playoffs. The pitching is questionable, but I think that they will start to turn things around. And some of the games where maybe the pitching gives up four runs uh, in, in a start like Ryu with Springer and Teoscar back, the Jays could just as easily. I mean, those are two swings of the bat right there that could get you to 4-4 instead of 4-2, to two, which is where the Jays were at on Tuesday night. So I think that uh, teams are going to start finding their groove a little bit and they're going to start having more success, which will lead to these other teams like Boston, Kansas City, Seattle, and Cincinnati dropping off a little bit. Boston, the thing is their offense is there and it has been. It's been there. It was there last year. They lost Mookie Betts, obviously, in a trade that I don't think I'll ever understand. I get cutting payroll, but I mean, come on, it's Mookie Betts. Um, 
the offense is still good. The, the big question was the pitching. And the pitching seems to be all right this year. I mean, we saw Garrett Richards on Wednesday uh, walk six batters through four and a third for the Red Sox. And that was not ideal, I'm sure. But for the most part, the pitching hasn't been terrible. And I think that if the Red Sox can pitch, they are the most likely contender out of this group with Cincinnati being a close second because Cincinnati is, is in a similar situation where their offense is very solid. I mean, you got Castellanos, Moustakas, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Nick Senzel, Jonathan India. Um, there are guys that I'm forgetting too. If the pitching is there and I trust that the rotation can be with guys like Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, who might be dealt at the deadline, depending on where the reds are at. Um, I think the bullpen is important for them. I think that they've got a legitimate shot at, at, at making the playoffs, especially in the division that they're in because the NL central is a mis- mishmash of horrible baseball teams. I mean, no team in there really sticks out as a team that you're like, Oh, that team is the clear-cut winner with that one coming in as a close second. The NL West, you have the Dodgers, who are going to win that division, and then the Padres, who are going to be very, very good, but come up short and get a wild-card spot because they're grouped up with the Dodgers. The Milwaukee Brewers can really pitch. I don't know if their offense holds up. If you had to pick one team, one team out of the four that I mentioned, or the Milwaukee Brewers, who is the most legitimate out of these four or five? You know what? I would, I, I'm glad you brought up the Milwaukee Brewers because I have a feeling that they're, as usual, the one that's going to come out on top out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you that the Red Sox have a shot for sure, especially with Alex Cora and, and as you said, the pitching. Um, but I think that, uh, that Milwaukee always surprises. I mean, they always do. I mean, they're, the, they're like the Oakland of the National League, right? They're just that's actually every time you think they're down. Yeah. And, and every time you think they're down, they're back and they're back in the playoff picture, even if they don't make it, they're at least in the picture and they're a nuisance to the teams that do make it. Um, So I would say the Brewers for sure. Yeah. The Brewers, I think are the most legitimate contender out of those teams. The Red Sox are very close with them. If we're talking just the, the first four that were brought up Red Sox, far and away are my favorites out of there to, to, to make the playoffs. But if you bring in the Brewers, I think the Brewers have a better shot than the Red Sox too. I think they're going to start to cool down. I think we're starting to see that. I mean, Alex Cora is a uh, better manager than Ron Renneke and a better motivator than Ron Renneke. Of course, Cora being suspended or fired for a year. I'm not sure what that was. I don't think he actually ever got suspended, but they just fired him for a year and then brought him back. Um, Renneke wasn't the right fit in Boston. He, he made a great bench coach for Alex Cora in the world series winning year. Um, but uh, I mean, you looked at it and then the Red Sox just, they weren't playing with any energy. They weren't a very good team last year. And I think it does not illustrate the, the team that they truly are because JD Martinez had a bad year in 2020. doesn't mean he's going to have a bad year in 2021. It's JD Martinez. He always hits. Uh, so I think the Red Sox are the most legitimate contender out of the four teams originally mentioned the Brewers overtake them. If we are including them in the discussion, moving on to some other storylines from around the league, we got another no hitter this past week. I mean, it was recorded or pardon me, the no-hitter took place last Wednesday, but we had recorded by the time that it was completed, so we didn't get to talk about it at all in last week's episode. How crazy is it that we've had two no-hitters in April? I don't think it's crazy at all. I think when you when you think about the fact that there was a 60-game season last year, um, the hitters are not where they, they always have been as far as years past. I think it's a lot easier to not to say that a no hitter is easy in any way in the big leagues, but um, I think it would be easier this year 
to start off at least than it would be in past years, just because, you know, everybody's got a little bit of extra rust due to COVID-19. Um, not because they all had COVID-19, of course, but due to the pandemic itself. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what you're seeing. I think you're seeing, you know, it's taking the hitters some time to catch up to where the pitching is at because of various reasons, obviously. And um, this might be the easier year to get it. Again, not to say that it's easy to get it, it certainly isn't, but uh, but again, uh, I'm not all that surprised that we've had two no hitters in the very early going. I mean, no hitters are a rare feat; they're hard to accomplish. But I agree with you in the sense that if there was a time to get two in a season, it's April 2021 because the like you mentioned. I mean, everybody's coming off a shortened season. The bats, a lot of guys struggled at the plate, and they're trying to find their groove again this year. A lot of guys get off to slow starts in general, but that's amplified because of the season that was played last year. And uh, so I think that the no hitters. I mean, better pitching performances were certainly more likely in the month of April, maybe even going into May in 2021. Um, but I, I don't know that anybody could have predicted that we would get two no hitters uh, from two guys that aren't necessarily like the aces on their staffs. I mean, Carlos Rodon is 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 behind Lucas Giolito for sure. And Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel as well for the White Sox. He's probably their five starter, but he had a great outing. Joe Musgrove, who just got out of Pittsburgh and, and was probably maybe their ace, but that's not saying very much. Musgrove is a fantastic pitcher. That's not to take anything away from him, but he's the three guy or the four guy in, in San Diego um, when everybody's healthy, maybe even the five starter. So I think that it's been a surprising two guys to have no hitters although joe musgrove has always shown the stuff he's just been in pittsburgh so uh he's struggled in the past but yeah and then moving on to another team that we briefly mentioned when we talked about the milwaukee brewers the oakland a's they've won 11 straight games are the oakland a's legit this year we talked about some other teams being legit but are the a's playoff contenders after starting the year zero and six the a's are always legit <laughs> you a's can't count the a's legit. No, you can never count them out. And, and to have 11 wins in a row early going, uh, what a great start. It's hard to catch up to a team like that. Um, obviously, they had a, a rough start to begin with, which, you know, has balanced things out a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you can't ever count out the A's. I don't know what else to say about them. They just never surprise me now because you always think, well, this could be it. This is when the A's turn it around and they make the playoffs. And there's some point in every season where they do that. And uh, maybe they've already hit that point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they uh, they probably have hit that point by now. I mean, they started off really slow and people were like, okay, the A's who were supposed to be, you know, better than the Astros this year after last year, they aren't doing it right now. What's going on with the A's, but it's the A's. So they've always got a plan and they are executing that plan right now. The pitching has been good. Uh, The offense is coming around. They just had a crazy, I think the final score of the game against Minnesota yesterday that some of us in Canada got the privilege to see uh, when uh, the Jays were being delayed that game, I think, ended like 13-12 or 12-11 or something. It was it was ridiculous, but they're winning these, these crazy games and they're winning normal ones as well. So the A's have been off to a great start. Finally, team that has not been off to a great start, the New York Yankees. They can't pitch right now. The bullpen is, is not there. The fielding, the defense is horrendous. I mean, what is going on with the New York Yankees? I mean, we both say that they're going to turn things around. We both think that they will be, but what do you think has happened with the Yankees so far this year? Well, I'm not really sure, but the, you know, Aaron Boone has often said, I've heard him a couple of times on MLB network radio 
uh, talking about how he's proud of his bullpen, which is interesting, but maybe that's because they're better than at least everything else right now. Um, and even then they're not that great. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see it as a non Yankees fan. Uh, <laughs> and as a Jays fan, so you got a question the legitimacy of it. Right. No, I, yeah, I don't think it is. I, I think they'll they'll turn it around. Uh, they have a lot to turn around, as you just mentioned. There's a lot of categories they're not ticking the boxes in right now. I mean, there's no pitching, there's no relief, and there's no hitting. That's hard to come no overcome all either. three of those things, and the fielding. The it's hard to overcome all of that. It, it really is. But if there's any team that's going to do it, it's the Yankee juggernaut that'll turn it around. But uh, um, you know, again, I, I you know. You mentioned all of the things that are wrong with the Yankees, and that's a lot. I mean, that is a lot. It's another thing to be awful in everything um, and to try and overcome that, right? And so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Yankees. It's only April 22nd. There's no reason to believe yeah. they can't turn this around in any way. But it is, an, it is a rough start. There's no question about that. Yeah, the Yankees have really struggled to start off the year, but I think they will turn things around. I mean, it's the New York Yankees, right? So they will field a competitive team or else the fans will riot. So I think that the the Yankees will become contenders and uh, I'm patiently waiting for the day that they do because I think they will turn things around and when they do, they'll be the juggernaut that everybody expected them to be. This concludes episode 66 of 211's Baseball Talk. We thank you kindly for tuning in in, in an increasing, increasingly sunny episode uh, and we'll be back <laughs> next week with some special guests to talk about the first month in the 2021 MLB season. 